Oh, man, that was a big win for Mizzou men's basketball last night. You can call or text us about that at 875-KTGR. Coming down from a 20-point deficit all the way up to a two-point win at Minnesota. Uh, finishing the game on a 31-9 to run. Keep getting your thoughts in on that at 875-KTGR. But we want to turn to football here, especially college and NFL, as we get set for the weekend, especially the Vegas perspective. And here to join us for that is Rob Vino, a good friend over at wagertalk.com. You can find him at Rob Vino Sports and go to wagertalk to go and see all their great betting advice. Robbie, what's up? Oh, it's another Friday afternoon, Andy. Lots of college football. College basketball actually on the East Coast tipped off early this morning. All the, excuse me, all the holiday tournaments that are going on right now. So, um, yeah, everything's overlapping right now. It's a busy, busy time, but it's a fun time as well. Absolutely, for sure. And, you know, I, I kind of want to start a little bit. You know, uh, last night uh, with, the, with the game between the Bengals and Ravens, and I, this might not be your, your side of things because I know uh, the, the sports books, they kind of make their own decisions. But, I mean, with, you know, the news coming out that the NFL is again investigating into whether or not a team was withholding injury information and uh, particularly with Joe Burrow, we now learned is, is out for the season with that injury that he, uh, I guess suffered in that game, but may have also been dealing with beforehand a little bit. I just wonder kind of your thoughts because I know sports books have to make some decisions on whether or not bets need to hold up based off of what we knew and what we didn't know about certain guys' statuses. But I wonder now that we've seen a couple of cases in this in the NFL, how you maybe uh, think about it from your perspective, Robbie. Well, and I have to say, Andy, that last night's example is really one of the clearest. Um, because generally speaking, it takes an awful lot for odds makers to take a number from um, a favorite being minus two and a half to get it to three and then to cross it over to three and a half takes an awful lot of money. And the the reason why this one is is really bothersome is because only a handful of people could have had any insight into what was going on there and to push that number that hard through that three shows odds makers had no idea what was going on if you just examine the game handicap analyze the way i do you have no idea what's going on cincinnati's keeping everything secret and it does lend itself to you know um getting burned if you're an odds maker so we'll see i mean the nba is still the worst with this stuff um, but that type of thing that happened last night, I mean, Joe Burrow's a big deal. I don't know how much um, you watch enough football, how much you think Joe Burrow's worth in a game, but certainly his, when you start um, taking him out and putting Jake Browning in, that's probably, you know, six and a half, seven points right there. So uh, it, it's definitely something that's got to be looked at for sure. Yeah, Robbie, I thought Burrow was worth quite a bit last night and did not enjoy myself after he left the game. Uh, anyway, mm-hmm. there's a couple of games I want to ask you about this week because I always like asking about totals. There's a couple game totals that I've seen creep up throughout the week in the NFL, and I still think I kind of like the oversight on both of them. I want to get your take. The potentially really exciting quarterback matchup between Kyler Murray and C.J. Stroud, Cardinals-Texans feels like one of those games. Numbers gone up to about 48. Similar story for the game in Detroit between the Bears and Lions going up a couple of points throughout the week. 
in a dome, maybe with Justin Fields back, the Bears offense is able to help out with that number. What are your uh, thoughts, I guess, on both of those games and the totals in particular? Yeah, and each of them put you on a rough number. You know, you'd like that 48 available to cash because there's just so many combinations, 27-21, 31-17, 38-10, 28-20. a lot of combinations for 48. So at 47 and a half, certainly you're more apt. in the Chicago-Detroit game, like you say, that started at 45 and on the news of fields. It went up three points. So I guess you got have to ask yourself, is Justin Fields worth that much? Is he that much different than what Chicago can score offensively? The other game to me a little more intriguing because D'Amico Ryans, um, for what it's worth, has instilled some defensive capability into the Texans, yet when these final scores roll in, they don't really show it. Uh, I wonder if the defense isn't on the field a little too much because C.J. Stroud strikes in chunks with that pass offense. So Murray back with one game under his belt. If you had to ask me which of those two I'd prefer to play over, I'd probably prefer the Arizona-Houston side or the Arizona-Houston game. Simply, it's not a divisional game. It's a non-conference game, and the other one is inside the division, and sometimes those tend to bog down. Rob Vino of WagerTalk.com, sports from a Vegas perspective here on the big show, KTGR and KTGR.com. I also wonder about some of those bigger numbers that we maybe see this week on on the point spread. San Francisco, huge favorites uh, over Tampa Bay. The Dolphins, uh, as as they get set to take on the Raiders, they're almost two touchdown favorites. I mean, we're we're starting to see a little more of those lopsided numbers a little bit as we learn a little more about these teams and and those matchups pop up on the schedule. But I wonder which one maybe more likely uh, to to cover a big number like that, which we don't see often in the NFL. Yeah, I think, well, I'll start with the one that might be less likely to cover, Andy, and I think that would be San Francisco. And again, when you see these numbers, basically it's telling you, right, one side's going to win the game. So what I always do is I look to see what's coming next. And for the 49ers, what follows this Tampa Bay game is a short work week and a Thursday nighter with in-division Seattle. So, you know, you're, you're laying 12 and you get into the fourth quarter and maybe you have that 17 point lead. And all of a sudden San Francisco decides, you know what, we don't want to risk anybody here, or we're just going to pound the football or something. And it always leaves the back door open for that underdog team. So I don't like the situation for San Francisco being that it will be a short work week and a divisional rival on deck. If I were to take points with either of those, large dogs it would probably be tampa i'm not saying i love it but i'm saying the nfl is so situational that sometimes you just have to hold your nose and do what your eyes don't tell you and a lot of times it'll cash (laughs) yeah yeah for sure so we'll see what what happens in in those two games and then uh also robbie while we get a chance we'll ask you about the the monday night game between the eagles and chiefs uh, looking to be the the game of the week uh in prime time and Kansas City, uh, pretty much two and a half point favorite. Not much of a surprise there, but I-, I wonder if maybe this is a game where we see both of these defenses prevail a little bit. We've seen the total come down, of course. Last year's Super Bowl was obviously well over whatever total that was with them uh, combining for more than seventy. But we've just again, it seems to be a different year. Scoring's down, and, and I think both of these defenses certainly have proved their metal this year uh, on both sides. Are, are you maybe expecting something a little bit? less scoring in this version of Eagles-Chiefs? 
Yeah, I mean, it's certainly been the prevailing thought all week long, um, really, no matter where you turn. And your point's valid, Andy. I mean, it, it doesn't have the feel of a 70-plus point game like the Super Bowl did. I mean, going into that game, you had the feeling that both of those offenses were going to be able to do, even though Patrick Mahomes was injured at the time, um, you had a feeling that the offenses, especially Philadelphia, was going to be able to click here. Not so much. I think a couple of things that, well, of course, the Andy Reid off a bye deal is where side is concerned is almost automatic. But where the Eagles are concerned, I'll tell you back here, they're really worried about Philadelphia's running back situation and the running attack. They have no real affection for DeAndre Swift at this point in time. Um, whether or not it's the offensive line that's not living up to expectations or whether it's DeAndre Swift running east-west too much rather than north-south, you know, the Eagles don't really have a um, you know, like a between-the-tackles type runner. Kenneth Gainwell doesn't do it either. And you know, the knock on Swift here is that if he's not running the ball effectively, he's not an effective receiver either. So really you don't have anything uh, where at least last year with Miles Sanders you had a receiver. So Philadelphia's going to try and get a little running game established. I don't know that they can do it against KC. And I would say the other problem with the Eagles in this game is the secondary still isn't right. I know Kansas City's passing game, you know, they're missing that home run threat. Um, but I think if they're ever going to get right, you had the bye week to prepare, which we know Andy Reid's good at, and you have a secondary that's just not up to par right now. I wonder if Patrick Mahomes and company don't have a better passing day, a better offensively productive day than what we've seen on them so far this year. All that being said, that just leads me to playing the Chiefs rather than the total. I think the Chiefs are the right side here. You're home laying under a field goal. Um, I think that's probably the right side. Rob Vino of WagerTalk.com with us here on the big show, KTGR and KTGR.com. All right, uh, we'll, we'll talk about, uh, Mizzou, Florida here, uh, now with Mizzou finally getting that respect a little bit more after, uh, really the, the blowout win they got against Tennessee the week before. Now they're 11 point favorites against Florida. Uh, I, I wonder if this is a little scary though, Robbie, because I mean, look, Florida, while so hot and cold this year, I think one thing that we know about this team is that if you let them get some points and, and, and gather them up, that they can be a pretty high-scoring team at times. What's maybe the danger with with a game like this uh, for Mizzou fans? Yeah, and I think if you add into that, Florida's playing for bowl eligibility. It's a 5-5 five and five team that wants to go to a bowl game for Billy Napier, so you're going to get their best effort, and maybe Mizzou is, you know, you, you could somewhat apply a letdown theory here as well off of the big win against Tennessee. So if you're betting the game itself, I think you probably start at Florida and try and talk yourself off of it if you can. I don't think you start with Missouri in this situation. But I kind of think even better to a point that you made, Andy, that this total to me has gone in the wrong direction. Started 59, down to 57.5. We learned this week that Teron Hopper is out of the game for Mizzou. And the linebacking core now a little bit <laughs> a little bit depth shy and – somewhat rudderless where leaders are concerned in the linebacking core. One thing that Florida has done well, um, that you said Graham Mertz in that passing game has been really good. They rank 28th in the country, and they have put up points as of late. Last four games, 34 per for the Florida Gators. But 
they do bring that defense with them too. And I think Brady Cook and company, that offense is probably just way too powerful for Florida to stop. Florida's given up between 39 and 52 in their last four games, and they've given up an average of 531 total yards per game last four weeks. That's not good when you're facing, uh, you know, Cody Schrader and the wide receiving core that Mizzou has. So I don't know. Look for a shootout, Andy. I think you're going to see over 60 points here, and this number is only 57 and a half. Yeah, we we shall see coming up uh, tomorrow night at Faroe Field. All right, Robbie, what's the, the free pick that you really like this week? Well, how about if we just go to tonight? Um, and tonight, college football, it's, it's in that winding down stage where everybody's looking for um, a bowl bid. South Florida is one of those teams in that situation. The second fastest tempo offense in the country. First-year head coach Alex Golish, of course, he coached under Josh Heupel at UCF in Tennessee. That's why South Florida plays the way they play now. But I could see points on top of points here. UTSA has been on a 6-0 and run ever since their bye week. Uh, 6-0 and straight up, 4-1-1 one one against the spread. Scoring almost 40 per game now that Frank Harris, their quarterback, is healthy. And when you play South Florida, you're going to get more than enough opportunities, possessions, plays, chances to score. It's a bad defensive team. Um, I think five of their last seven, Andy, have totaled 70 or more points. Tonight we're looking at 66, which is close to that number, or 66.5, but I still think it's feasible. So I'm going to take South Florida – UTSA up and over 66 and a half for those who want to watch college football tonight. There you go. Why not? College football Friday night, it's never, it's never a bad thing. So uh, <laughs> thanks again, uh, Rob Vino, uh, wagertalk.com, sports from Vegas perspective, on Twitter at Rob Vino Sports, and go to wagertalk to read their great stuff. Thanks again, Robbie, uh, for coming on as always. Hope all is well. We'll talk again soon. All right, guys. Thanks for having me. Have a good weekend.